0: Hi I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL full-time podcast.
1: Welcome to the third of our three preview podcasts this week is on the, the National League and joining myself Luke Edwards is our resident national League expert it is Rob Worrell. Hello Rob. Oh, you've hung me out to dry there, haven't you? Yeah, Yeah, good evening, Luke. And uh, joining us once again uh, is uh, our very own books writer, Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie.
2: Good evening, Luke. Good to be in your company, as always.
1: And our special guest, our guest expert who's joining us, it is BT Sports correspondent and all round good guy, Jeff Brazier. Hi, Jeff.
0: Oh, evening. Thanks for having me. It's been a strange one. We're still waiting for
1: full confirmation on whether the, the National League will go ahead. It's looking like it is and we were just discussing them before we come on air how is the money going to be shared out first of all if it, if, it, if they do get that payment?
0: It's got to be um, a, a really difficult tricky job for whoever in the National League is sitting there with everybody's accounts um, you know firstly I mean could they, I would be tempted if I was one of these National League clubs just to maybe up the figures a little bit. Obviously there's, there's ways and means they have to prove it and I'm I'm quite sure that the average attendance is a, a sort of public knowledge anyway. But, you know, look at the disparity in the National League. You've got Rexton, whose average attendance is just over 4,000. We know that crowd gets a lot bigger when uh, when there's much bigger games. Um, you know, right down to, to, the, to the smaller gates, I think the smallest is Boreham Wood, around 700, the average. To work that out, you'd imagine you know they might be awarding um, in such a different figure to either side. And the question we're all asking is: Is it purely on on the revenue they're losing via the via the gate, or actually are they going to factor in you know the um, the club shop? Are they going to factor in the the, the the burgers, the pies, and the, the cups of tea and Bovril's? Who knows?
3: I think it's just the, t- uh, the the loss from ticket revenue. But who decided that, and how fair that is? I don't know. What we have to acknowledge is it is a start and the government have, some might say it's very late in the day, but uh, but it sounds like they have responded with some sort of an offer and, and the clubs are scrambling to get whatever they can uh, from it. Uh, and all being well, we're not making this preview podcast in vain tonight and, and the league season starts uh,
1: on Saturday. Yes, yeah, so obviously for the um, the National League, it's league fixtures we discuss the FA Cup games briefly if it's the North and South A come in and start the FA Cup on uh, on Saturday a lot we're maybe going to boycott it so <clears throat> this money's vital not just for the National League's but the the teams below as well so fingers crossed we will get started on that Um so let's move on then to who we all think are going to be favourites I think we've all kind of our standout team, haven't we? And I think they're in the northwest of England, and they they're a former football league up in Stockport County. I think with the business they've done, everyone's sat up and taken notice. And I think with the bookies, a four to one favourites to win it.
0: I mean, I think timing is so important in many aspects of life, generally, but football especially, and with the national league. I mean, how many clubs have probably gone up because they had the right bad budget at the right at the right time? Um, so many clubs will have been seen to have acting sensibly, pulling their belt in because of the uncertainty around whether the league was going to go on and obviously the fact we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And we all know how the end of last season was concluded. So um, for a few clubs to actually be in a position to be able to maybe increase their budget from previous seasons, um, look, we know that Stockport and Notts County effectively uh, are in a position as well with their squad depth, which I think is going to be really important surely those two teams are, are going to be in the mix. I know previously we've we've looked at the Files and Chesterfields and seen them at this early stage of the season as nailed on um, candidates. But I mean, the, the fact is it all really adds up for Stockport in that they're a really settled side under a, under a really good manager. They've got, you know, 4,000 odd fans every home game uh, in attendance, which when fans come back, we know that revenue is going to be vital. But, you know, until then, the funding, if it does go as far as to uh, remunerating them for that, they're going to be in a really good financial position. We know they were taken over in January anyway. So they're, they're looking strong. And I think money will speak more in the National League and in football generally than it ever has done. And if you have got that behind you and if you can afford to put the accelerator down slightly more than other clubs who just need to survive. Then surely this is a great season to have a few quid in your pocket.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Jeff. I mean, it's it's you know it's an, it's not the ideal circumstances uh, at all. But you know, you do get the feeling that there will be some clubs who just by the benefit of you know timing mean that they're in a position to be able to actually take advantage of this situation. And I know that sounds really harsh. You know, everybody's you know difficult times, but it, it's an ill will. Ill wind that doesn't blow somebody some good, as my father would say. And, you know, for, for a team like Stockport, who, as you say, got took over in January, the timing could be absolutely perfect.
3: Just a little bit of detail on uh, what Stockport have done then. They were obviously going to come up very early in these discussions. They've kept 11 players from last season and they bought in 13 that I can see at the moment. Um, one of the things I'd like us to touch on as we go through this, and I'm, I'm going to play my card now, is who we think possibly the best signing of uh, the uh, the close season is, uh, and obviously it's been somebody very very late through the door in Ryan Crowsdale. is an absolute quality midfielder uh, that's joined Stockport. But I think personally, I can't look any further than John Rooney. He's been at this level for a while. He's got better and better each season. Was the second top scorer in the National League last season or or even joint top scorer, I can't remember quite quite just now, but um, I think he's going to be absolutely key for them. Another reason I think he'll be key for them is my only doubt, my only question mark about Stockport County, who are going to be tough as old boot nails. they're, They're not going to concede many. They're going to be very, very hard to beat. But my only doubt is at the top end of the pitch. I can't see that they've got, at this point in time, a proven striking goal scorer at this level. But, of course, those playing just behind the front there in the likes of Rooney and Connor Jennings as well will definitely chip in with their goals. Uh, The only other thing that can hold Stockport up is what held Fylde up a lot last season, and that is now massive expectation to succeed. And I think based on the players they've brought in, They're obviously having a real tilt at it, Jeff, and it's going to change the expectations at Ashley Park.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine there will be a little bit, but again, just as you're talking about it, I agree with you. But also, on the other hand, this is the most uncertain and unprecedented uh, entry into a football season I think we have ever, ever had. And the, the focus is simply not as much as it ever has been on the pitch. And about, you know, what squads we've got. Because, again, we know that there's going to be so much movement during the course of the season. And I just feel that that's where uh, money uh, and the and the the amount of uh, depth to one's bank account is going uh, to prove particularly useful. Now, it always does anyway, don't get me wrong. We always look at the managers and what they bring and their experience uh, in and around the National League. But I just feel like usually there's about at least eight contenders that we would all look at and say, well, they could be in the mix and they could be in the mix. I just think we're looking at fewer. I think we're looking at fewer this year. There's, there's, there's only so many that I think can, can match up. But, you know, not to say that because they've got the money, they've had the takeover, because they've brought in these players, they've got a really good squad. It just doesn't, with the National League, it doesn't amount to any certainty. Should we also look at the fact that you know, do we do we know that there's not going to be a second wave? Do I don't want to obviously talk and and, um, and, and jinx anything, and I'm sure that we are on our path on a path to getting supporters back into stadiums, um, but we just don't know if we're going to see a conclusion to the end of the season um, in line with with how it how it all ended last year. And, and actually, I want to ask you all, because this isn't something I've necessarily talked about. But, you know, as I was sitting down researching ahead of this conversation, teams will be quite anxious about being, having games in hand at any point. I feel like it's almost advantage Bromley and Sutton with their artificial pitches who are likely to, to always stay on the right side of having completed their fixtures up to any any, any point. Do you think that that's going to come into it at all? We won't want to see them stop Stockport. Last thing they're going to want is to to fall foul at the, at the. Well, they won't know it's the last minute until obviously someone pulls the plug and says, "Right, we're going to have mm-hmm. to stem things in there." But you know what happened to them last year would have been absolutely sickening. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
3: it's just another one
2: of those elements this season, isn't it? You know that they've, we've got so many more other things to consider this season other than just maybe the football and and the finance behind football you know you've got all those um the uncertainties around covid and i say we don't want to bang on about it too much but you can't escape from that it's there and and it it could continue to have an impact for a while yet and yeah you you wouldn't want to be in a position of um of, of not having you know, you've got games in hand. I mean, it happened to teams in National League North last season that I look at, you know, teams that were were in a playoff place dropped out at the last minute because, you know,
1: it all had an impact. But just going back to your point, Jeff, certainly about the, the sort of uh, the uncertainness around everything. There'll be, there'll be teams that'll be quite maybe some of the bigger teams might be glad that there's no fans in because obviously when it's not going well, it's a, it's a horrible place to go and you can feel the... The pressure, for example, somewhere like Notts County, the pressure is probably unbearable in Wrexham when it's not going well. So the shackles may well be off equally. The smaller teams may do well because they haven't got a crowd there and they may be used to having smaller crowds and not much of an atmosphere. They may well be easier and then other teams will thrive on it. So I think it's kind of all up in the air, really, in terms of how it may well finish.
0: I mean, absolutely. I can't help but feel that the advantage is massively with the away sides. And I think statistically we've seen that since lockdown uh, across all tiers, to be honest. Uh, But imagine um, who's playing Wrexham on the opening day. I think it might be Boreham Wood. So Boreham Wood goes to Wrexham instead of having 6,000 passionate Welsh Wrexham supporters cheering their side on like the 12th man that they are instead they, they haven't got to quiet they haven't got to, you know keep the ball for a, a, an inordinate amount of time in order to just sort of quieten them down so it's it's almost like you're, you're kind of one step closer to being able to get your foothold in the game and, and uh, get a result at the race course like, already anyway um so and I, I take your point about some clubs and uh, some players I always think it's more of a player thing than a club thing the advantage of not having fans there because we know some players are going to perform better and be more relaxed the ones that obviously have a, bad, have a tough time from the crowd generally. Um, but yeah, for me, it's more of an, an away advantage. And I really believe we're going to see more, um, you know, it will absolutely continue the trend of seeing more away results or more results go to the away team side in the National League this year.
1: Do we feel as well that the teams who are in the playoffs will have an advantage because they play the playoffs in an empty stadium, so they may be used to that game, getting in that game mode and then going out and playing in an empty stadium?
0: It just won't take them long to get up to speed. Like that, that will be really temporary. It might be odd for them at first, but then that said, they've played um, friendlies. Chances are they're gonna have um, they're gonna have got used to that already. Maybe, Um, yeah. I mean, you can look at the the Yodels and the Barnets who had playoff experience, and I mean, I was there for BT. It's the oddest experience because the game means so much, but yet, Mm. what's there to missing something? Yeah, what what's there to remind you? Um, you know that you can see all the, the players and the coaches and the lots of noise coming from there, but um, you know we all obviously just can't wait to get National League fans back yeah. into National League games.
1: I went to Harrogate against Boreham Wood and Wooden. it was just weird seeing him celebrating with like nobody there and it just being really quiet. All you could hear was the players whooping and, and hollering. But um, well, Rob, I was going to ask you, obviously you've been to a few of Aldershot's pre-season games. I mean, what's Danny Sirle and the, the players said about it all? Like, is it something that they've kind of they've just adapted to now or what? I think it's
3: uh, far easier for them to go from training to a game behind closed doors than it is to one with the crowd, I think. It, it will have the whole thing the training and the matches will have just felt like you know very pre-season very training um it may be a little odder when all of a sudden somebody's saying, yeah same again but this time it's for three points you know you can't tell an awful lot from pre-season i i i i don't know what the stats are on this but so many times the club that's maybe the level below wins the game and uh, you know that that there, there may be that's that's a, a high point for them Uh, to try and come together. Maybe the managers automatically pick their best side for that. Um, Whereas the larger clubs are probably still trialling one or two players, probably trying one or two new things. Just to try and bring us back on track, because we've got a lot to obviously preview. Jeff, I'm going to share a number with you. We talked about, you talked about, there's probably less teams than ever in with a genuine shout of the title. I've got four names down here. Um, How many have you got? And uh, who
0: else other than Stockport do you think is going to be in the shake-up? Oh, well, let me start by just rattling off some names. So Stockport, Notts County, obviously. Notts County picked at the post by, by Harrogate at Wembley, as we know. I would say that Yeovil would be hurting from their experience. Like They had to... I don't know whether this is common knowledge, but their, their, their players, their staff, needed to actually live at Hewish Park for a month yes. leading up to that. Um, playoff game against Barnet, which they subsequently lost um, so I, I think they'll want that to count for something I'm, I'm hearing Solio have, have spent a bit of money and again Adam Rooney for me hes, he's uh, he was brilliant for Salford um, for whatever reason they haven't retained his services and, and here he is back in the National League so I can't wait to to see, I, I can't imagine how he would not get another 20 to be honest at least and mm. Rex, obviously, you know, there's this big caveat as to do they get the Hollywood takeover, which is just mm. crazy. <laughs> uh, <because laughs> Will coming. they let him in the ground? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, we'll come, on, we'll
1: come on to old Ryan in a minute, uh, if, if if not her. But Dickie, I'll just bring you in on a the solly hole. Then, I mean, obviously, you probably kept mm. a BDI in your activity, and as we said before, we came on the pod, they've signed. They've signed all different types of players, haven't they? they signed Adam Rooney, but they've also gone and cast the net down into the National League North and a bit lower.
2: Yeah, they have, and they've been picking up a lot of players. Um, I think it signals a, a very definite change of emphasis at Solihull under, under Jimmy Shan. Obviously, he took over what was essentially Tim Flowers' team last season, and, and he's looking to put his own mark on it now, I would say. I think there's a number of players um, from you know local championship and sides who who've been released but you know lads 21 to 22 years old that um his background is youth coaching his background is youth coaching so um he'll be hoping to mold them but you know it can be a tough place to learn you know we the National League is a place that players come out on loan and it's very often a place where players go out with the intention of finding out whether they're going to sink or swim or not. So there's a little bit of a risk, I think, in some of the recruitment at Solihull. But I think they've still got enough quality there. They've still got the likes of Jamie Osborne, uh, and as you say, Adam Rooney there. So I think they'll still be there or thereabouts, but but expect them to, to have a different look about them and a different feel about them.
1: But also, you've got the inexperience of the manager. He had a few games at West Brom, did okay. Was it Kinnaman's last year? Did okay. Uh, but this is another step up from his first full season uh, properly as a manager. So that'll be interesting to see how he how he handles all that. And I say with the squad, Solihull have got you'd expect him to be players, but then we thought that last year, didn't we?
3: Yeah, Luke, I I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly where I'm at with Solihull. Uh, I very strongly considered whether i think they'll be title contenders and i've i couldn't quite put them in my four but that if i was going to get a fifth team it would be them um i think they'll compete well for and will make the playoffs obviously nots county and yeovil um jeff you mentioned you know they're they're big clubs they both had horrendous starts the last season in terms of what was going off the pitch they did okay yeovil started a little bit the better of the two Notts County had built up a right head of steam towards the end and we'll never know whether they might have just chased uh, Barrow and Harrogate down. There's one other team, I just think, based on their signings in the summer. The other, the sort of southern version of Stockport, if you like, that have splashed the cash and bought in some very, very established players at this level. It's Dagenham and Redbridge. Obviously, Darren McMahon uh, has, has been in the playoffs before with Ebbsfleet. Where it's fair to say he had a little bit of money. In between the two, of course, he spent some time at Macclesfield, so he can he can definitely put that on his CV now. But um, look at the players that oh, he didn't afforded. have any money.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow, well,
3: yeah, I was inferring probably yeah.
1: didn't receive any money as well. But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Callum
3: Reynolds, uh, I think the world of Callum. He's an uh, he's not just a good defender; he's a brilliant leader, a brilliant reader of the game. Um, And, uh, you know, those couple of playoff seasons with Aldershot, Aldershot pretty much defended with Will Evans, Callum Reynolds and Jake Cole. Everybody else bombed forward. Uh, Dean Rance, who uh, is uh, about as established a central midfielder. He was Aldershot's captain last season. Paul McCallum, proven in particular over the last couple of seasons to bring you goals. And Darren McQueen off the back of 20 goals at, uh, at Dartford. Elliot Johnson, a quality left back. Um, and the list goes on. They've even got Adrian Clifton in, in, in reserve as a, as a striker. He didn't quite uh, uh, he didn't quite set the house on fire at Bromley last year, but he scored a lot of goals at Maidenhead the year before. Um, Jeff, your thoughts on Dagenham? Because for me, they've signed experienced players, they've signed leaders, and they've signed winners, and they've signed goal scorers.
0: But it's, what fascinates me about what Dagham have done there is the gamble that they've obviously took amongst amidst the uncertainty of uh, of whether National League football is going to come back. They've absolutely gone for it and said this is a season where we feel we can uh, impose ourselves on the National League and be there and thereabouts. But what if the funding hadn't come? What position would they have left themselves in financially? Now, you know, any gambler will tell you. Uh, I guess you know when it comes off. It can really come off, and they've put themselves in a position where they can absolutely um, start start, I think, this season incredibly well. And, and you're right; they can they can get themselves in amongst the uh, the likes of Stockport and Notts County uh, because they haven't really established themselves in that uh, you know in the in the playoff spots for, for some time. Um, yeah, they had a really they, they seem to have really good runs followed by really awful runs. Uh, but again, under the, Darren McMahon, who's, um, he's a great manager, let's face it. It's someone I like a lot and um, he's got great hair too. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think you're right. When, you, when you've got that much experience and you're signing so methodically and where we can look through their signings and say, that all equates to a really solid backbone of a squad. Um, yeah, of course, of course it's going to look good for them. And just a quickie on Darren McMahon, you talked about his hair. I'm pretty
3: damn sure that you and I have both interviewed him probably on a number of occasions. Doesn't he give the quickest,
0: shortest replies of any person in football? You need to have your second, third and fourth questions lined up and ready to go because he just wants to get home. I can, I can say he must <laughs> love his wife. You must have a wonderful family.
1: I tell you what, though, he's always <laughs> willing He's always willing to speak to the press. I know I spoke to him after Ebsleet lost in the semi-final at Tramory and I was about the fifth one in line. And he didn't kind of huff and puff. He was he was. Smile on his face, and he still was willing to chat to everyone. And and, and fair play to him, and he is he is a bloody good manager
0: as well. You know, you know some um, some managers are, are, are great. At obviously, their their, their job um, to to manage a football team. Um, and then you've got some that are obviously also really good at doing the the, the media stuff and 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 generally being good conversationally. Um, and and yeah, for the, he's just one of the, the shorter and sharper ones. And then you've got. The likes of um, uh, Dave Challinor is, is my favourite because you can't get yeah. um, it all yeah. day long. So there's the real gap between how quick and how long the answers are that are coming your way, but you kind of have to just prepare yourself for either. And then you've
3: time. got Alan Dawson, you can't understand a word yeah. he's saying.
0: <laughs> but he's having a great time, he's always cracking jokes, and yeah, you, you don't get them, you don't quite catch what they are, but um, he's a character. <laughs>
1: Another one who's, who's good at interviews and always willing to speak is Luke Garrard and Boren Wood, of course, um, losing semi-finals last year. I mean, are they, in your, are they in the mix, shall we say? They are
3: in very definitely in my play, in mix for the playoffs. But just before we go there, Luke or Dickie or Jeff, do any of you have any other teams we haven't mentioned that, that you think can contend for the title? Or are we into the playoff
0: teams now? I, I think Halifax fans might be like, hey, what about us? I think that they've um, they've done a bit of business and I think that they've shown a bit of intent that they too want to establish themselves higher up than they have. They had an incredible start, didn't they, last year? Uh, as they did the year before. And we wondered whether it would dip off as it did the year before, but not until the end did it really sort of die. But yeah, otherwise, it's a massive club, ultimately. Got Over 2,000 every home game. I, I think that, again, we shouldn't write them off. Shouldn't
3: no, and uh, Halifax, what they have done, Jeff, they've only kept eight players from last season. So, considering they finished in the playoffs, they've actually turned over uh, their staff a lot more. They've brought uh, they've in uh, 10, I think,
1: yeah. But a lot of that, Rob, is as well. I mean, we, we touched on it on the North because one of their long-serving players, Marty Brown, has gone to York. and it, Because they've basically u- they've upped the training sessions at Halifax. They were kind of hybrid last year where they've, they've gone more or less full-time this year. So I think a lot of the players couldn't commit. But equally, the players they have brought in are a lot a lot stronger. And and considering the job Pete Wilde did last year with the squad he had, you, you would expect him to be in there in Halifax. If I was a Halifax fan, I would. Last year, I wouldn't have had any expectations. This year, I would. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Neil Byrne. uh, I mean, Matty Brown's a great centre-half, Colossus, but Neil Byrne is a fantastic signing. Um, And uh, looking at one or two of the others, Jake Hyde, proven goal scorer at this level last season for Woking. And uh, Luke Summerfield is a centre midfielder that I've always admired as well. So some good signings for Halifax. They're definitely uh, worth a mention. Anyone else for you, Dickie?
2: No, I think we've just about covered it in in what we've gone over so far. I'm I'm kind of expecting um, it to be, you know, a, a similar selection of teams uh, contending for the playoff places in the national league again this season. But um, yeah, there always seems to be one surprise package. So, uh, you know, um, we've not identified them, but it'd be interesting
0: to see who that turns out to be. Go on, Jeff. I think, I think there is an absolute opportunity for someone that we we've, we've not necessarily recognised early on. Uh, to come in because again, think about the the uniqueness of this situation and um, teams have not necessarily had the preseason that they are used to. Now, some teams will get their act together quicker than others, and it might be that some of these clubs we're talking about with high hopes don't get their act together quite so quite so quickly. Next thing you know, with this league, you're ten games in, and you know there there, there could be a, a bit of a gap between the teams that again, you know, sometimes teams start that you just come out of nowhere. But this year, I I just think that, you know, who's had a good preseason. You know, I think um, certain teams will will look at it and say, um, you know, psychologically, we're a really good together group. We're solid um, and and we're fit because that's going to come into it in a a big way as well. You know, who's who's, who's done their work? Um, It's just different. It's just different this year and it leaves the door open to other teams to surprise us. Can I can I throw in two teams who I think
1: it could go either way for this year so you've got Barnet and Chesterfield Barnet Darren Curry fantastic job done there couldn't agree a new deal he's left He brought in Peter Beadle ex ex striker for them and also ex Hereford manager and Chesterfield who high hopes for last year struggled but uh did really well under John Pemberton at the end of the season I mean can we see Barnet slipping in Chesterfield going up or you know, and sw- kind of swapping where they were.
0: Jeff should be sure. dead straight away then. Yeah, no. For, for, I've read a little bit about Chesterfield. They've had the worst preseason ever. They've they've lost to um, they've lost to two National League North sides. Um, Alfreton was one. Guysley was the other. They've uh, you know they beat someone who was a few tiers below. And and there's a lot of um, well, there's very low expectation from their own fans. Let's put it that way. And Barnet, <laughs> I think going back to an earlier point. They're always three or four games off everybody else. I don't know why. Sometimes because of cup runs and for good reason. But um, they need to make sure they don't do that this year just in case it it gets frozen and PPG comes in. Yeah,
3: I've got strong thoughts. (laughs) That's good points, Jeff. I've got strong thoughts on both those that you've raised, Luke. Um, Barnett, it's a completely different scenario now, OK? The chairman has come out and said, they used the parachute payments. They had two real goes at it the last two seasons. Barnet it was well funded. They bought themselves a squad and a big squad. They're the biggest squad in the league from what, from memory, um, and uh, they just missed out in the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's going to be that kind of season for Barnet. Um, you've got a new manager. You've lost some key players. Um, and uh, it's a much, much smaller squad. Squad sizes is an important thing. Now, the the basic logic, normally, too big a squad, you can't keep players happy. Too small a squad, you know, you're in big danger as soon as you get three or four injuries. Um, This season is going to look different with the later start and and, and the, the firm finish line if we get there. Um, it's going to be way more. Is it twelve t- midweek games, Jeff? Something like that. Um, your, your squads are going to need to stay fit, or you're going to have to have a few players in reserve.
0: Yeah, you look at the squad size. Wrexham have got twenty eight registered at, at, at the moment. North County and Stockport twenty five. Kings Lynn just seventeen. Dover just fifteen. Mm. You know, you can't tell me that that's not going to really come in and make a massive difference really, not long after we've started, you know there'll be injuries. You know it'll feel like these fixtures are just non-stop. You know, they'll barely be training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, squad sides. Don't get me wrong, you can have 50 players, they've got to be good. But, um, you know, you trust that the, the recruitment will be spot on there'll be adequate cover in all, in all areas.
3: going to have to be really good use of the loan market. Something Steve King, the Dartford manager, alluded to, uh, in our National League South preview, he said the use of the loan system is going to be very, very key uh,
1: this season. Um, two and a half minutes left off, Rob, on this particular sorry? one. On this call, two and a half minutes left. Okay.
3: Okay. Yeah, I'll just make the quick point about Chesterfield. Jeff, you touched on their preseason. I don't look too much into results in preseason, but um, but what concerns me about Chesterfield is simply this they finished just outside the bottom places last season. Um, And they've kept 16 players from last season's squad and brought in just four new players. Um, I know there was a bit of an upturn under John Pemberton. I I get that. But um, for me, I don't really see any evidence that Chesterfield are going to be up the top end next season. And uh, who knows, last year we all predicted them to be in the top one or two and they didn't. So maybe we'll have egg on our face the other way. But... uh, for me, I think Chesterfield will be bang mid-table this season. I don't see them, uh, uh, if anything, I think they'll be nearer the bottom than the top.
0: A lot of their fans are just asking for a, a season of consolidation. They're, they're happy that the club's been taken over by the community trust. Uh, they they obviously like John Pemberton for what he did when he came in. Um, but yeah, their first game's away at Wildstone. I think that'll be a real... Um, a real marker as to where they're at currently. I think their manager came out after one of their um, pre-season games and just said, we're simply not ready. So again, it, it, it might be that they're, uh, it takes them a little while to find their feet.
1: So who else then do we think uh, could be in the playoff places this season?
3: Well, we touched briefly on Boreham Wood. Um Luke Garrard's now taking them to the playoffs twice. It is quite remarkable. Uh, as Jeff mentioned earlier, on, on average, crowds are 700. Um, but they've got a, a good, retained a good squad, the majority of it. Um, and the players they bought in, only five, but they're all quality players. Nathan Ashmore, obviously, has now uh, signed a two year contract. Gus Mafuta, uh from Hartlepool. Uh, Corey Whiteley. Zane Francis Angle, who. It was a big miss, I think, for Fylde last season at the left-back and uh, Shaquille Coulhurst from Barnett. And what I see there is a very tight squad, quality throughout, whichever 11 Luke Garrard puts on the park. Um, and I see them pushing for a playoff place again. Probably not the title, but uh, uh, they're one of uh, five teams I think will compete for the uh, remaining
0: three places that I've got. No, I'd just be saying the names of clubs if I carry this on any further. But yeah, for Borum, would we'd absolutely be stupid to to rule them out because of how well he's done in previous seasons. They had um, a season, I think, it was two years ago where they uh, where they missed out. I think that you know, Luke Garrard would have uh, admitted that was down to recruitment not being quite right. But last year, and for all the signings you've just mentioned, um, he's got he's absolutely got a template that works for him. Um, attacking football, you know, really great for me to to go and watch. Uh, always enjoy going down to Boreham Wood and, and um, yeah, you, you can't rule them out. They're the sort of team that will love to go to a race course with no fans there and turn them over, for sure. It doesn't matter
1: that you mention loads of teams, because if you listen to our North preview, Dickie and Tom mentioned about 15 teams that could be in the playoffs, <laughs> so don't worry about that.
0: I know. I mean, we're, we're spreading it thin just so we don't look... Look too silly when none of these yeah. teams actually win it but um, yeah. yeah there was it how do we know how do we no. know how well prepared these teams are given that they didn't even know that they were going to start the season until yesterday really um, yeah. they were for it but there would always been those questions in the, in the players minds and um, it, we, it, this season is harder to predict than any other before we've never done a good job before so I don't know why we feel like <laughs> <laughs>
3: listen <laughs> talking talking talk- Talking of not doing a good job, I think it's time for us to bring in the mention, the official mention of the fact that uh, Chris Pratt, who's sadly not with us tonight, did actually predict Barrow to go down last season. Um, wow. and, and to be honest, he did it with some logic as well. The money had kind of gone out of Barrow, hadn't it? And he got a, a, a relatively, relatively un, unproven uh, side and manager at the time. and. Uh, he certainly did. It was um, just touching on Ian Everett's achievement. It was phenomenal, wasn't it, with Barrow last season?
0: Yeah, it's sensational. Um, it, it didn't start off too well, did it? I remember watching them play Yeovil uh, in Barrow and it was the worst game of football I've ever seen. They, both managers apologised to me for what I'd just witnessed, but it wasn't until maybe the game or two after that, it clicked for both sides. And that's where you could see that his philosophy and everything that he was trying to impose on the pitch just fell into place and the rest is history. I have to mention before
3: we draw a firm line under the playoffs, so I've got nine, down, nine teams down to compete for the top seven places, which I don't think is is, is, is is too unacceptable. The one other caveat, the one other team I think that might, if they get it together, because he's a very, very good manager, Jeff mentioned him already, Dave Challoner Hartley-Paul. Um, Maybe, just maybe this is the year for them to contend uh, seriously for those those playoffs. They weren't too far outside of it last year. They are on a little bit of a run when it all stopped. But that's my line drawn. Anyone else I'm talking about now? I'm officially not predicting them to be in the top seven.
1: Basically turn off if you uh, turn off now. If you, if you think you're going to get in a playoff, Rob says you're not going to turn no. off. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Anyone else for you, Dickie or Luke? No, in Hartlepool,
2: I think I tipped them for a playoff place last year so they they disappointed me somewhat so I've, I've um maybe that's made me a little bit shy of 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 tipping them again this year but I, yeah i i agree i think they they could be on the fringes of it so um mm. and you know dave challoner is a he's a good manager he's an experienced
1: manager um and uh, yeah he could have them up there again just um just before before we move on to kind of like the also runs then, I mean Dickie, you you saw Knox County. I mean obviously it was on pre season. What what did you make of them? Oh, I
2: did. I saw them. I think a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, Saturdays ago. They um, they beat Telford three one, and they were it was essentially their last or, or a warm up game for their FA Trophy semi final on the on the Tuesday evening. Um, and I thought they looked good. I mean they've they've lost a couple of players. I know Christian Dennis has left. He's gone to to Scotland, but I think the um, the better players the, the, the ones that they would have wanted to to retain have done they've added a couple of um, additions um a bit more firepower in uh, elisha Sam I think who's he's, he's coming and um, he looks a dangerous target man and um, yeah, I think they'll be there again. I felt they they controlled the game against Telford I'll contrast them to Wrexham because I've seen Wrexham as well. Um, and, yeah, I think just looking at the two, it, it was fairly clear to me that that Knotts County will be contenders again, but I, yeah, Wrexham, less so, I would say, um, just simply for the fact that Telford seemed to be able to match up against them quite well and nullify them, and they just that didn 't look the case against Knotts County. they just had the answers, whatever Telford tried against them.
1: I was going to say I also runs and I mean if 2020 couldn't get any more weirder, the news broke last week that there was an, an interested bidder in Wrexham and everyone clicked on and it turns out it it was Ryan Reynolds, the actor, yes, the Ryan Reynolds and uh, a lot of questions me been going around as to why Wrexham and the answer's coming back, well, why not Wrexham? But even if the takeover goes through today, I was actually speaking to someone who I know who's um, he's heavily involved in the Wrexham Supporters Trust and he said even if it happens sort of in the next couple of weeks, they haven't they've got the squad together already. They haven't got time to sort of change everything around. And if they to do the transition period. So are we gonna call this as kind of um, a sort of a, an adapting season for Wrexham, especially if the takeover goes through and I mean what exciting times if it does happen
2: Yeah, I think it'd be asking a bit much of them to, to leap from where they finished last season, which I think was nineteenth, to um, to be a playoff contender. I think they should be or well, they'll want to be aiming for the top half certainly. Um and, you know, they've added uh, some quality players. Elliot Durrell has, has joined them. He obviously He was a title winner of Macclesfield. He helped Alchingham get promotion from National League North last season. He's been around. He, he knows what it's about. But, um, yeah, they just looked a little bit lacking in something last week. But, of course, it's pre-season and uh, I could be left with egg in my face in a few months' time.
3: I don't know if you guys agree with my logic here, but rather than just go to also rounds, I think we've got to... Come out now and say who we think might be in danger. And it is a monk's game, the predictions side of it, and nobody wants to uh, say anybody's definitely going to go down. But um, perhaps we should finish with the also-rans and, 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 and nail our colours to the mast on who we think might be in danger. I've got to start with Dover, uh, a dangerously small squad, uh, a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, and probably the best thing they've got going for them is that they've still got Heston Tala. Your thoughts on the situation at Dover, Jeff?
0: Yeah, when they basically put everybody up for sale, um, you you can imagine what that does to demotivate um, a a squad of players. Um, And then, obviously, it's only been very recently that they've been given the news that uh, they're going to get the funding. But, you know, what damage has been done, how 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 tight are they as a collective so um you know they're, they're it doesn't really get much harder than playing against Notts County and you're in your opening uh, league game albeit at home um I think that they you're right I think they they could be in a in in serious trouble from the off um it's going to take uh all of Hez Tyler's experience and quality to uh navigate his way through this one I guess a bigger question might be how many teams are actually going to finish this season eh Jeff uh, yeah I mean that being the main point for a few of the sides it's about let's um, let, let's survive um, we don't know what the funding is um, some might actually find that it's too little um, we don't know over what period of time the funding's going to be given is it is it right up until fans are allowed back you know that would be preferable wouldn't it as opposed to a you know, we'll give you three months' worth and then see where you're at because that still sort of underlies a a, a great deal of uncertainty for clubs. Um, I, I look at Maidenhead; they're, um, you know, they, they had a real narrow escape, didn't they? They relied on points per game last year, and it's their hundred fiftieth year apparently. So we should wow. congratulate them for, for that. It's it's not the year to to go out, really, is it? Um, either by relegation or or other means. So. I, I don't know. I, I think that Maidenhead um, are, are also a team that I don't know. They get a pretty decent gate over there, um, mm. but I think a lot of this really depends on the fund. I know Eastleigh are another club that have really pulled their belt in um, and had to be incredibly sensible. So um, yeah, I, I can't get Dover is the only people. The only club that have really said publicly in the national league. That they are particularly in trouble but it doesn't mean to say that other clubs are not in a very similar situation
3: The big factor with Maidenhead every
0: year uh,
3: regardless of the players on the pitch is the gaffer Alan Devonshire he's a wily old fox and by hooker boy crook he's kept them up there since they came up three, four seasons ago and it's always a fight What he always seems to do, Jeff, he always seems to have a couple of little runs in the season where they pile on the points. You know, they literally only get three or four wins on the trot or something. And then they have some long, barren runs or draws or losses. But uh, he just about gets them over the line. And my goodness me, that was close last year. Looking at the players that they've bought in, there's some decent ones amongst them, to be fair. I think in terms of where the goals are going to come from, um, you've got Nathan Blissett who's uh, pretty established at this level. He's a big hand for uh, for anybody. And uh, an up-and-coming player who's jumping up a level from Hampton and Richmond Borough. But uh, Danilo Orsi de Domo, uh, he knows where the goal is for sure. And I think the likes of Dan Sparks and Sam Barrett, they might just have enough firepower made in there to stay up. Um, but they're definitely in that uh, discussion. That's for sure. And I think probably at this point, we should probably mention as a group, if you like, how the promoted sides are going to fare? Who out of the four teams that have come up do we think will be definitely safe? And who
0: has perhaps got uh, a big job on their hands? Tell me, did um, all arrive very late into those playoffs? They had, a, they had a real run that they put together, didn't they, in, in order to get they in were, there? They were sort of always in, in and around
1: the playoffs, but like the bottom tier. So they weren't like top four, they were more like sixth or seventh. But they were, I think Dickie will tell me, were they like 18 games unbeaten going into it though?
2: They they did have a very big unbeaten run towards the end of the season. But I think there was a stat around altering them at one point, which said in November, I think they were something like 18th or 19th in the table. Now, I think that was largely because they got to the second round of the FA Cup. So they got league fixtures they'd not played. They also had some problems with the the surface at Moss Lane because I know their game in Telford back in just as early as October last year was off because of um, waterlogging, and yeah, they they surged up the table from nowhere. But yeah, they 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 were able to take advantage of those games in hand that they'd got and put a strong run together. But you're right, Jeff. They only got into the playoff places, or or, or really sort of made themselves pushed into I think about fourth where they finished eventually. Um, in the last few weeks of the season. But as Luke said, they were kind of, they were threatening. I think ev- everybody was looking over their shoulders and thinking, they're coming, they're coming. And yeah, and they made it.
1: And credit to them because the first game, the eliminator they had at home, but then the last two were away from home at York and Boston, which are notoriously tough places to go. So they've got that mentality and that toughness. And I think well, I think they'll be, certainly won't be in the uh, the relegation mix. They, they've added some experience. Um, I think Matty Gasolow's
2: gone there um, after, you know, a, a poor spell at AFC foiled, but it' shone at Halifax Town. He knows manager Phil Parkinson really well from having
1: been managed by him at Nantwich a few years ago. Kingsland depends whether they can get the two the two strikers firing. Um, I know as well they lost Chris Henderson, didn't they? Dickie, we interviewed him just after he got promoted. He's, he's moved down about three divisions, but um, I think this, this could be the strongest year for the promoted team to maybe at least three out of the four staying up, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the thing
2: that would concern me with Kings Lynn, um, as you touched on it earlier, was the squad size. I think they've only got 17 players signed at the moment. Now, I know they made quite good use of the loan system last year and they got a couple of excellent loanees in from Norwich City, um, uh, which is not you know a product of Ian Culverhouse's relationship with them, having played for them for so long. Um They were very reliant on the goals of Adam Marriott. It's a relief that Adam Marriott has signed for this season. Um, But, you know, to, to, to expect him to sort of get the same kind of return again, I think he's asking a lot. I think it was something like 28 goals last season. His partnership with Michael Gash is a terrific partnership, but it does rest very heavily on, on Marriott to be the one who actually finds the back of the net. And if he's not able to do that, and if they're not able to add any more depth, I would have a little bit of a concern about them, I would say. Um, um yeah, I just get the feeling that that perhaps... Something that might count against Kings Lynn, but will actually go in Altrincham's favour is just the, the, the speed of the progression they've made to get to this point. Altrincham had a couple of seasons in National League North to just sort of, well I say stabilise. They went straight into a playoff place and then the following year they actually won the playoffs. But Kings Lynn came through in two consecutive seasons. I wonder if this might be too big a jump for them. I think Altrincham, however, might just be okay.
1: Rob, what Rob, I was going to say, Rob, you all want Kingsland to stay up being a local game for you, will not you? I'm really excited. I can't believe it, right? The
3: the, the one ground I've not seen shot play on and it's the last fixture of the season. It seems like centuries away. Um, it, I'm excited to go back there. I've been there. I've actually played there back in the day in uh, UCL, I think football it was, but um, I think they'll be all right and... You know, for any Kings Lynn fans listening that might just dispute, we might have a bit of a discrepancy on our numbers here. I've been tracking every player move in and out and confirmations of, of contracts given, etc. I think Kings Lynn have 19 contracted players and two season loans from Norwich. I believe they've kept 16 players from last season and they bought in Jamal Loza, Ty Fleming. Uh, Simon Power and Archie Mayer, that's a winger and a keeper from Norwich City on season loans. And Cameron King, who was playing in the playoffs for Halifax last season. And I think, as we've already mentioned, the goals, Adam Marriott um, and uh, Michael Gash and uh, and Dale Southwell, I think they'll be all right. But Dickie, you're absolutely right to say two consecutive promotions. uh, It's very, very difficult to perform strongly at your third new level in three seasons. Let me come over to Jeff to ask his opinion on that. And then I've
0: just got a point to make when we get to the other one, Weymouth, in a minute. Uh, well, again, let's just add add the fact that when you've jumped up a level and there there's the there's the unknown quantity of it um, and, and how you'll cope with playing against these bigger, more equipped, bigger squads, um, you know, established teams, um, but then obviously you've got the fact that you can look at the fact. That I think they're all roughly of a, of a similar size uh, in terms of just getting over a thousand people in uh, on their average attendance. So, you know, again, I'm I just I think the first thing you need to look at is how big are they as a club, and how secure are they? Um, you know, what kind of funding are they going to receive, and actually, is there sort of going to be a difference between one and the other? And actually, you can imagine that they're all going to be given a, a very similar amount by the the government and the national league. Um, so really, what it boils down to is, you know, these, these teams. I was always actually, Luke, I wanted to ask you why you thought Ultranum were were more nailed on than uh, than Kings Lynn, although Kings Lynn obviously won the the national league North last year.
1: Because the Dickie will back me up on this. They play a different style of football to teams that come up from the north. A lot of teams from the north are quite physical in your face. Ultranum. Play out from the back. They've got Neil Solvill as an assistant manager who's been at Crew, and they've got a great philosophy. They can mix it up a little bit, but they, they do uh, teams. will if teams, it's a bit like Manchester City. Teams will look to come and press them, and they'll play the they'll play the press and they'll play the way out. And they've got uh, they've got Jordan Hume up there as a target man. If they need to go a bit more direct, so they have got uh, a mixture of styles, and they're also quite clever from set pieces. That uh, the team managers there put a lot of work in, and certainly at home. I think their home form will be what what keeps them up, but uh, no, they're just very they're just very solid all over, Dickie. Aren't they? but it's a different style to a lot of teams, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. I mean, they've, they've suffered a bit of a blow because James Jones was a a big figure for them in the centre of their defence, and he's left to to try his luck in, in the AFL with Barrow actually. So um, he's been a, a, right about the the style that they play. they're, they're not. Um, they do try to play through teams. But then, if they want to go direct, they've got Jordan Hume, who is very well suited to that kind of uh, game. Um, Josh Hancock plays just off him and picks up so many goals, and you know, just edge of the penalty area type finishes. So, I don't see too much changing at Altrincham, and I think that stability could be a big factor.
0: I look forward to watching them. I, I don't know whether this is again common common knowledge, but Ulverstonham Weymouth that that fixture is actually. First versus second from the first year of the conference in seventy nine eighty. There's a little bit of nostalgia. I think it's enough of a peg for us to send a reporter along uh, from BT Sports Score on Saturday. Uh,
1: I've got a nice little trip Brilliant. to the seaside for you, Jeff, eh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not for me, mate. I'll be uh, um, Kings Lynn, actually.
1: Oh,
3: ah, awesome. and who are they playing? Sorry, Kings Lynn? Uh, Is Yeah. Yep. Coming on to Weymouth, for me, of the four sides that have come up, the one that I can build the least strongest case to stay up is Weymouth. The biggest factor, Mark Molesley. I think he was absolutely superb there. And I'll admit this kind of on air. Boys, you, one of you texted in our little WhatsApp group and said, Mark Molesley's second favourite for the South End job. And I replied straight away, no chances, no way that he'll leave Weymouth because he's on such a good thing there. And he obviously coaches the kids at Bournemouth as well. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Um, and and time will tell whether Mark Mosley was completely wrong or whether he was right as well. Um, what do you think there, Jeff? The call came to go and manage in the football league. And it must've been very hard for
0: him to turn down. I think for any manager, I'd I'd, again, take the case of Ian Everett. Um, When, when a team, um, when a club who's, who's ultimately bigger than the club you're at comes calling and you have to give it due diligence, but especially when, um, when I guess you, you gauge the potential of the club that you're going to, and you'd probably have a little look at where you feel like you're, where you feel you're at in your own personal development. Um, when you know coaches like Ian ever put so much into Barrow and he got so far with them, um, and you always wonder how emotionally invested they are in that project. Um, you know, I, I think anyone who's been a, a manager and certainly a footballer before that will know that ultimately you can you're always allegiant to, to the club that you're at at any given moment, but if a, a good opportunity comes, then that's the nature of the industry. So uh, I don't blame managers for uh, looking beyond where they're at and looking to extend themselves because they've all got dreams and aspirations of managing Premier League clubs and why shouldn't they? Absolutely. No, good point, Jeff. Um So Brian Stock's come in as the manager at
3: Weymouth and uh, you know they seem to have had a decent enough pre-season. I just, I just look at one or two of the players that have, have moved on, um, obviously Brett Williams, went a little bit before he wasn't really involved too much towards the end of the season, but Abdelai Baggy uh, has signed for eastley. I think he'll do well for them. Yemi Abadi's gone. Um, and looking at one or two of the players that they brought in, a lot of them I don't know, to be fair, but one or two of those that I have seen on several occasions, uh, I don't think, I'm not going to mention names, but I don't think they're particularly strong players at this level. So,
1: Yeah, I've got that Bournemouth link now, haven't they, Robin? And with them being a division high, they may well get slightly better calibre of player from Bournemouth not to the ones that they had last year with that big Bournemouth connection again, which may help, who knows? Yeah,
3: absolutely it will. They've always got that link there. And uh, I think they've got Brennan Camp back in the right back for a second season on loan from Bournemouth, and I'm sure they can dip in there and get one or two more if they if they need to. I'm not writing them off, far from it. But I think they might have the greatest struggle of the four teams that have uh, that have come up.
1: I mean, Wheelstone they look as though they've, uh, they've they've kept a continuity there and they've got a lot of players who've played uh, in the National League before as well, which is why I think they've got a good chance. Them and Altshundra were probably, in my eyes, the strongest two to stay up. And then you've got Kingsland slightly behind them and then Weymouth. But uh, Wheelstone, Jeff, I mean, I'm really looking forward to see how they do. Really intrigued as well to see how they do.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm always intrigued to see how any team that comes up, um, how they, they get on and, and adapt to life at the level above. I like Dean Brennan. Uh, him and Maynard, uh, they come as a double act, don't they? They was particularly unlucky at Billy and Ricky to not have been given a fairer crack at the whip, I think. Glenn Tamplin sort of outed them when things weren't quite going their way, but... Um, I think they, you know, they, they, they showed him their, their credentials uh, by doing what they've done last season, getting Wildstone into the National League. I bet he probably wishes that he'd uh, stuck with them. Um, sometimes it's you're not going to get the instant thing. Uh, but if you've got a good manager uh, who's heading in the right direction, they're probably worth sticking with. And Dean Brennan, I think, is a manager that can come and do well in the National League.
3: And they'll score goals, Jeff, won't they? Ross Lafayette, Moses Emmanuel, um, Denon Lewis... All, all got goals in them, and uh, and and one I really want to keep an eye on. One of my favourite stories from last season, when Malden and Tiptree went to Leighton Orient, and uh, Dandy Parish and uh, Charlie Hoots just burst into that game. They burst into life, um, and they've got themselves a great move on the back of it, and an opportunity to to play national league football now for uh, for Wheelston, uh, and I think it's Danny Parish. Um, He's been, I know it's only pre-season, but if you're a striker, scoring goals is a great habit. And he's been smashing them in in pre-season. But he'll have a manager,
1: Dean Brennan. I mean, I've interviewed him once before. I interviewed him once last season. And I think Tom got him on as well. And the big thing about him is, is just team spirit and making people want those two of what's in the building. Like you said, Robin, feel like, uh, it'll make them feel like a million dollars and that they belong at that level, don't they?
3: Yeah, and they've got some other quality players as well. And Miche Fete is—I uh, think they've got him on a longer contract now for the next two seasons, and Jacob Mendy as well. So I think they'll—I think they'll do all right. I think it'll be one of those really difficult places to go. You know, if you're a Chesterfield or a Stockport or a Knotts County going to Wiltston on a Tuesday night, do you know what I mean? I, I, I just think yeah. that's why I love the National League. It's the most contrasting league. I'm—I'm I'm completely convinced in the world that I know of anyway. A few teams we haven't mentioned yet. Any any, anybody else got a sort of danger trapdoor team in their mind that we haven't mentioned yet?
1: Woking, maybe. Can I? Can we throw Woking in there?
3: Yeah, Woking. All right. I'll be. I'll be honest. I considered them whether they might be in the bottom four, and I considered them last season as well. And I said, no, I think they'd be all right, and they were all right. They were far more than all right, weren't they? They, they had an amazing run, winning eight of the first nine matches. Um, Douse is just such a wily fox. He he finds way to win football matches, and I, and I think they'll be all right. Woken. I don't see them possibly pushing quite as high as they did last year, but I think uh, I think Woking will be okay. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on Woking?
0: Well, I was going to ask if if there's any change in their part-time status, but then I I kind of question myself as to why that even matters. This year, more than more than any other, they were part time last year, and they, you know, we all expected them to run out of steam at a point, and maybe eventually they did. But uh, what a run, you know! And you don't mm. put that kind of run together without having some serious quality. And I just think that the the part time versus full time argument, and we know that there are in between clubs as well. It's it's finding whatever works for that club and that group of players. So I, I, I sort of. I, the part-time there's there's only a few part-time clubs in the national league now. Woking are, are, are one of them, but I just don't see it as being an issue.
3: No, I think I think you're right, Jeff. I think Halifax and Woking proved that last season. One player that Woking have brought back in who, who was tremendous for them previously, and sometimes players just fit clubs, and I think we'll see another really good season from Johnny Goddard, who who perhaps didn't quite hit the levels we know he can produce uh, at an uh, and Aldershot over the last couple of seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think will steer Woke into uh, a, a mid table position this season. Um, no others that I want to mention in terms of the threat to to go down. I think we've only got probably five clubs we haven't mentioned yet
1: anyway. Anyone else for you, Dickie or Luke? No, I mean, like you say, I think Aldershot will finish lower. Uh, sorry, not Aldershot. Eastleigh will finish. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I think Eastleigh will finish <laughs> lower, lower than he did last year. But I can't see them going out because I really like Ben Shermans as a manager. I think he's a top bloke as well.
3: Yeah, I think Eastleigh Eastleigh will be okay. I don't see them uh, challenging for the playoffs, if I'm honest. Um, But I I, I do absolutely, I've got them as, you know, one of maybe four or five sides that I think will finish in a a, a sort of upper middle or lower middle position, along with, uh, you know, the others that we haven't mentioned. Well, there's four teams left. Let me start with Torquay. When you mention Torquay, the biggest thing you have to mention first is Gary Johnson, a manager who's been there, seen it and done it at this level. Um, but Torquay, for me, there was a couple of categories. we Biggest, uh, best signing, which for me was John Rooney and biggest miss. And the biggest miss I see here being the goals of Jamie Reed for Torquay. Prolific player. He's got his chance now at a higher level, uh, 20 plus goals. And they're not easy to replace, other Jeff?
0: No, they're not. Not whatsoever. And I, again, not having mentioned Torquay up to now, just because Gary Johnson, again, is one of these brilliant, experienced managers. Um, I've, I've enjoyed the football Torquay played at times, but for whatever reason, I don't quite put that season together that, um, that kind of announces them in the, in, in the playoff places, if you like. Um, but uh, look, they're, they're at home to Stockport in the first game of the season this Saturday. What an opportunity to announce themselves and prove people like us that actually we should really be taking them seriously this season. Sutton is another one that we need to
3: come to. Decent enough season in the end for Matt Gray. Been in around the top levels of non-league football for a long time, but given his head at Sutton last year after Doswell moved on. And he did all right. And interestingly, he must feel they were on track as well, because looking at their squad, uh, a quite staggering... um, Retention list of 17 players from last season still there at Sutton, and I think the least players bought in of all clubs, just two: Toby Show Silver from Halifax and uh, Dean Buzanis, uh, the goalkeeper from uh, Melbourne uh, City. Can't quite see them pushing for the playoffs. Don't see them being any trouble either. Any thoughts on Sutton, Jeff?
0: Uh, well, You can look at that two ways. Is it because they haven't got the resources or, or they were being particularly cautious or is it because they feel like their squad were very nearly uh, at a point where they maybe could break into the playoffs? Uh, the last time I watched them was, um, was when they drew at home to Barrow. It was an excellent game. I think it was particularly windy that night. There were drones flying above, which was a strange sort of addition as well. But they more than matched Barrow. <laughs> actually, uh, at the time. You were talking about the runaway leaders of the team that were going to end up in uh, League Two. And uh, if that was any sign of what they can go and emulate this season, I'd, I'd have to say Harry Buteman's a, an excellent player. I've always enjoyed watching. And um, and I think Matt Gray is a, is a manager that will have his sights set on better this year.
3: That leaves all the shot and Bromley, Luke. Where do you want to go next?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shall we... Uh... Well, Bromley's a bit
1: further towards uh, closer to London, so we'll go to Bromley, then head south, head be southeast towards Aldershot from Bromley. I would agree. <laughs> Definitely well, south.
3: Yeah. Okay, so we're in Bromley. There, nine players only retained. Um, Smudge had the right go at it last year. I think a lot of us felt that that was their chance last year. He put together a good, good squad. You could see they had a little bit of a tilt at it. And my goodness, they flew out the box, and uh, and they and they had it; they had it in their hands, Jeff, didn't they? But they just couldn't sustain it over a longer
0: period last season, Bromley. They couldn't. No, it's a shame. He's uh, <clears throat> he's one of the better characters in the national league, um, both him and Amo, the uh, the assistant. But always, always want Bromley to do well. To be honest, um, it's a club that I visit. Probably more than others. I don't know why. I just end up at Bromley, um, but yeah, I think what's big for them is getting Rico Hackett Fairchild back in from uh, Portsmouth on loan. Excellent player. I think we're going to see. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about him a lot this year. Um, and again, like Bromley, you could involve in in the conversation about who could potentially be there and thereabouts, just because you know it's in their pedigree. You know the club wants to achieve that. You know they've made huge improvements to uh, to their ground. Uh, and to what's available there. Um, so if it isn't this season, you know, it's. I know that Bromley are going to come back into the equation at some point. But again, a, amongst the financial uncertainty, what did they do? What did they do with their budget? Did they keep it as it is? Did they pull their belt in? I, I somehow got sucked into watching a live feed of their game against Crystal Palace under 23s on Instagram the other day. And I think they... They beat them 4 0, they 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 looked good, it was their full strength side, and it would have been one of their last preseason games. Um, but again, Bromley will be will be good this year, I'm sure, and because of their artificial surface, you know, they'll always be in with a sniff if uh, if points per game ever ever comes into the equation because they won't be behind on their game, for sure.
1: So Rob, we've got four minutes left, so the floor is yours on older shot.
3: <laughs> well interestingly We give our opinions, but I love to see the fans' opinions. So I'm in a few of the National League Facebook fans groups. And every time somebody comes on and goes there 1-24, to how they think they're going to finish, I make a little note of it. And I totted all them up. And you know what? From around about 15 or 16 different predictions, nobody had predicted Aldershot Town to finish any higher than 16th. And that is going to be my prediction, that they will finish... Higher than 16th. Um, some perspective. Second season for Danny Searle. Um, got Aldershot into, relative to the season before, um, relatively comfortable position, lower mid-table, having been relegated on merit the season before, but not actually uh, taken the relegation because of the Gateshead. Um, he did well last season. I think what he's done really, really well, I think it's pretty well known out there that Aldershot have reduced their budget again this season. So two seasons run a reduction in the budget. Uh, and the popular feeling amongst Aldershot Town fans at the moment is that actually he's got a better squad, slightly better squad than last season on less money. So that in itself is an achievement
1: for, for Danny Searle. Um, Rob, it'll be interesting to see how Ross McCormack does, because that could make, if he's on four, it could make the difference between you finishing 16th and pushing towards that top half, or if he's a flop, then yeah, 16th, maybe then.
3: Yeah, exactly the point that I, I was going to make. Um, I, I My gut tells me that Aldershot will be somewhere in the middle of the table this year. It could well be an improvement again on, on last year. Um My jury's out defensively at the moment. I think Lewis Kinsella being out is going to be a big miss for them. And I need to see a little bit more of Jamie Sendall's wife. Um, Alex Finney's a very good defender. So is George Fowler. Uh, Both have had their injury problems in recent years. So they'll need to stay fit. But you're absolutely right, Luke. It's at the other end. I do feel Aldershot will have more goals in them this season. And the reasons for that are obviously Ross McCormack coming in. Mo Betema, um, good pre-season under his belt. He's a proven goal scorer at this level. And the most excited I am about the signings is two boys in the middle of the park that both got an appetite, athletes, uh, an appetite to get forward and score goals. Josh Reefs, who was the top scoring midfielder in the National League three seasons ago. And Toby Edsa. um, I think he's another really, really good sign-in. So, uh, I think all the shots front five, if you like, we will have a few more goals in them this season than last Defensively, they'll have to play very, very well as a team and, and steer clear of injuries. Jeff, you saw the shot at first hand at Tunbridge on Saturday. Difficult
0: to make an opinion based
3: on one pre-season game, but what were your thoughts?
0: Uh, well, you, you know that at half time, my report to BT Sport score was that it was nil nil uh, when actually it was two nil to Aldershot. shot, and that's when you really missed the crowds because they certainly let you know when someone scored, but. Uh, you know, I was there really to to speak to the chairman and the managers about the uh, the financial implications and whether they were going to start the national league season you know all the topical matters that that we've been discussing of late um but in terms of the game I didn't really watch it that closely i can report that you did win 3-2 <laughs> against sombridge angels who scored a very good goal themselves didn't they uh, um in the in the last few minutes yeah um, but look, Danny So, someone I've admired for for a long time. We're actually old teammates. He, uh, he uh, you know, was the
1: head of And then it's going to drop off.
0: Mm. Sure, he's the head of development at West Ham for God knows how long. And I always just think that, regardless of his experience, good coaches will create good football insights. And um, I really hope and want all the shots to be okay this year.
1: Well, Dicky, Dicky Rob, thanks a lot, Jeff. Brilliant, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Cheers, and
1: that is it. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. We'll be back next weekend to review the first week of the National League and also the to see how the National League North and South teams fared in the FA Cup and also the fun part of it all, our predictions. Until then, look after yourself and we'll see you all very soon.